All right, for this edition here of Mike Drop on Pittsburgh Sports Live and Steelers Now, we're going to take a little bit of a serious tone here, but I think we have to. I think that's the way of the world right now, and we're going to touch on a lot of the current events and now of the last week or so and what's happened really since the murder of George Floyd and the trickle-down effect that actually now involves the National Football League and some comments made by some prominent players and how that will trickle down to the locker room and Maybe even how that potentially could affect your Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, I'm Mike Oste here, your host. And for this edition of the program here, I'm going to be joined by a friend and colleague of mine who I've done some work with in different outlets. But this now the first time we get to have him aboard PSL. So without any further ado, I am going to introduce former Pitt All-American, former NFL player, and my media colleague, part-time host also at 93.7 The Fan, Doran Dickerson. Doran, how you doing, man? Ah, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Doing, uh, doing well. We uh, figured out here I, I moved into a new place here with my girlfriend not long ago, so we figured out we're not too far from each other, so we're going to have to do a, a wing night here now that that is allowed, because now we're in yeah. the green phase, so that's right. happening again. Either that's that good. or get on the golf course, as I've been happy to, to do that recently since uh, the governor has finally realized that you can golf alone, and that is okay. <laughs> I think there was some confusion there uh, prior that you could fish and not golf, so that's, that's over with, I guess. So at least we get, because I also think it's, as I said in, in the lead-in, it's necessary that we all have releases. If you like to golf or if you like to go have some wings, we need those now more than ever before, really. Sitting at home, and with your thoughts probably is not the best right now <laughs> with what's going on in the world. But Doran, I, I want to start things off here with what we, we have to start off. And this really is not so much about the, the play on the field as, as the normal shows we've, we've done in with different outlets. But number one, Drew Brees' comments really have had some legs to where even his wife is making comments now. Um, and Drew Brees, of course, making the now infamous comments that he still would not appreciate any anyone kneeling for the flag, and he he connected it to the armed forces and the military, and he didn't want them them to be disrespected because his grandfather had served, and he basically kind of regurgitated the, the platform of three or four years ago, and he basically just re-administered that opinion that we all knew he had from 2017 when that was more of the hot topic issue, and I remember being at the Steelers facility trying to cover a press conference and having CNN there interrupting us, so it was kind of surreal, but Drew Brees kind of gave those same comments that we, we heard from many like him and him that time and that of course just set the world on fire i mean and that is again that metaphorically speaking after it almost was literally set on fire right before that number one because we heard from a lot of saints players including michael thomas we heard from players who were catching footballs from him prominent figures as well as players who were the last man on the roster and colleagues of his across the nfl that they didn't appreciate it. They were against it. LeBron James came out pretty stern against Drew Brees, and Drew Brees has since apologized. But if you're a player in that NFL locker room and you're a teammate of Drew Brees even, once you hear that from Drew Brees, would there have been any hesitation from you to speak out or because of the way the world was and we were just coming off the George Floyd murder, we were just coming off of the riots, we saw those here in Pittsburgh, that it that you would have felt comfortable as well? Because 
you weren't Drew Brees, but there were players at your level or below your level when you were playing that felt comfortable to speak out. Would that have been different for you maybe because of the world right now to speak out against Brees, or would you still have had some trepidation because he's going to Hall of Fame and that could affect your family and your money? Well, personally, I probably wouldn't have said anything, but I mean, that wouldn't take away from that being in the back of my mind whenever we reported to camp. Um, that wouldn't take away to the fact that he said that and yeah. said things to to the to the capacity that you know are not hurtful, but like wow, like you would think somebody in your position, Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback, like you said, right. wouldn't have said and and would be more self aware, would right. be more self aware of a situation in in politically correct. Um, you never thought of a guy like Drew Brees to really speak his mind, uh, especially on camera and especially, you know, to, well, especially in an interview. So I was kind of shocked that, uh, you know, a guy of his stature, um, a guy who's been around a long time, knows how to handle media, knows how to handle, uh, you know, PR things. So I, I was shocked. And especially that, you know, you know what 90 percent of his teammates 85 percent of his teammates are black you know i mean yeah. and the so, city so, that he plays in, in. New, city, new orleans is a predominantly african-american city right exactly and there's a lot of people in that city that look at drew Brees for hope you know you know he he's the symbol of hope you know ever since 2006 and winning um whenever katrina hit and people yeah. looked at drew Brees as this solid uh, you know, person, athlete that did things the right way and really just wants to go out there and win. And I think it took a lot of people back uh, whenever he said this because you just didn't think that somebody like him would say something like that. You have, like I said, a lot of uh, predominantly black players in the locker room. Yeah. And it's just – it's um, it's crazy too because people, you know, whatever side you take with this, um, and Drew Brees, one thing that stuck out to me that he said was, you know, my grandfather fought in the war. My grandfather was in the military. Well, so was my grandfather. Right. My grandfather fought probably right next to Drew Brees' grandfather. And same with, a, a, you know, a lot of other African-American people who fought in the war. His grandfather wasn't the only person that fought <laughs> yeah. in the war. Right. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and this isn't about the flag. And that's really whenever we, you know, we come full circle and talking about this, you know, Colin Kaepernick kneeling wasn't about the flag. It was about what's going on right now. And the fact that Drew Brees is missing or missed that message, um, that kind of took me back a little bit and, and shocked me. And now he's going to have to rebuild his reputation and rebuild, you know, being a teammate because it's, it's not going to be easy. You know, they're going to go in there. Those Michael Thomases, Alvin Kamara's, they're all yeah. going to go in there and they're going to look and be like, hey, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being Yeah, honest. no, no, that's definitely going to be the situation. And I think what you touched on is my first reaction. Obviously, I was surprised that he would say anything, really. But I was mostly surprised that he didn't have more awareness. Because this is even what I said with Mason Rudolph being accused of, of shouting racial slurs on the field. That... I'm not going to say somebody's racist unless I have proof that they're racist. But let me put you this way. I'll even play devil's advocate on both stances. Say you believe Mason Rudolph and Drew Brees to be racist. You'd have to also believe they're complete idiots if they're going to say racial slurs in the middle of a field with African-American teammates who defended Mason Rudolph 
or, or opponents. And then Drew Brees, knowing he has African-American players and black, a black receiver who he heavily relies on with 100 catches a couple years ago, like that's his bread and butter for his money. You would think that he would at least say, okay, maybe even if I am racist, I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to – he would have been better off saying no comment or shutting the video off, and that might have looked weird. But it just was the, – the, the timing was so bad that it, I even did some research thinking, oh, this has to be an old clip. This has to be three years right. ago. This can't be a new interview. And then, no, it was. Like 48 hours after riots, he's out there saying the same thing. And, and, and yeah, all of our grandfathers served really with the way the world was at that point. Both my grandfathers served. And really the unfortunate thing that I don't think Drew Brees realizes, but I'm sure you do, our grandfathers were out there, yours was, but it's very possible your grandfather was put in a much more dangerous situation, probably in a front line in front of our grandfathers because of the thought process of how things were then. But it, w- it doesn't take away from your grandfather serving. Uh, yeah, it just seemed very ignorant, which is what LeBron James said, and there was no self-awareness. Although, Drew Brees claims now he's had an epiphany. He claims now he put his foot in his mouth. Now he has self-awareness. His teammates went after him. They had a, as we're doing now, we're on Zoom. They had a family Zoom session. Shaquille O'Neal, oddly enough, was a part of that apparently from all reports and connected it to his rivalry with Kobe and not letting the media separate you. And now Michael Thomas is tweeting pictures of him and Drew Brees slapping high fives, and they all have said they accept the apology do you believe they truly accept this apology? You can't get in their minds, but what do you think really happened? Is it, Do you believe there was a family meeting that maybe they now believe more from Drew Brees, or there was something where they thought, I want to win a ring as well, and we got to fix this somehow? It just was a really quick change, and do you even believe Drew Brees' apology? I, I believe him. I don't believe Drew Brees is a racist at all. I just think he was just wasn't really aware of the whole situation. And this is the best thing about football and football players. You know, we are, we are asked to, to take on heavy tasks, you know, during a season in the off season and, you know, throughout a game throughout playoffs. Yeah. Um, and you're asked to put a lot aside uh, to just accomplish a goal. So that is one of the best attributes a football player has is being able to set things aside, even if it's good, if it's bad, to accomplish a goal. And I'm sure a lot of these guys have like, listen, you know, I'm not going to have Drew Brees over for a cookout. But <laughs> okay. in practice, you know, we have to get a job done. And he is my teammate. And I'm willing to set aside, you know, he did apologize. It's still in the back of my mind. Yeah. We're not going to be best friends, but he is the quarterback of the team. And he has the ability to lead us to Super Bowl. And that's where we all want to get to. So, um, like I said, one of the best attributes of being, you know, a high-level athlete is putting things aside and uh, focusing on your goals, you know, even family. I mean, think about, you don't even see your family for six months. You have to put them aside because not saying that they're not important, but you do owe your teammates your whole 100% uh, attitude, 100% focus every day. And I do believe that uh, they will set this aside and they will try to go out there and win. But like I said, Drew Brees isn't getting invited to that many cookouts uh, (laughs) next month. And I, and I also wouldn't be surprised, but he's obviously older. Whenever he does retire, I wouldn't be shocked if Michael Thomas or whoever maybe gives their real feelings. But certainly not now, because when, Mike, when Drew Brees throws the football, if Michael Thomas swats it down and says, I'm not catching that thing, he's done. Yeah. He's the one whose career is over, not Drew Brees. So, yeah, that's going to be the unfortunate situation that we're in now. But that has then segued into the NFL 
being in this hornet's nest, as they always are, involved in these race relations. And, of course, we know the Colin Kaepernick story and how he's still not played since taking a knee. And the NFL players came out, several prominent African-American NFL players came out with a video that was very powerful, basically asking the NFL to admit they were wrong, which is shocking because that's a lot of players putting themselves out there, and that that was something that we didn't even see a few years ago. And then the NFL, again, to our surprise, but maybe kind of forced to, to do so PR-wise, Roger Goodell does his own little video and basically admits that, they, that the NFL was wrong. What did you take from all of that, though? Because there were still some that are criticizing Rod Goodell, saying that he basically found a way and a loophole to admit he was wrong without actually admitting he was wrong because he did a minute and a half video apologizing without ever mentioning Colin Kaepernick's name one time. Well, see, the, the NFL is always, always, always going to do the right thing of the perception of, you know, people viewing, of the viewer right. perception. Um, and that's what uh, Roger Goodell – he had to do I don't know how sincere it was I'm sure it was maybe 50 50 okay. nobody likes to be nobody likes to be wrong and especially no. <laughs> you know nobody likes to be wrong right so I, I think he knew that he had to make a statement and it's like hey you know I'll put it on me you know I, I'll, I'll act like you know it was my mistake because I mean he already takes backlash every day so he's like you know what just add to it okay fine <laughs> let's not stay let's not stain the shield and and give it to me give me all the uh the, you know, me, yeah. me being the one that this happened to. So, you know, I, I don't take it that serious. Um, NFL does this all the time. They always make statements. They always do the right thing. They try to at least to make sure the shield looks good and nice and shiny. So um, I expected this to happen. And, uh, you know, I just take it with a grain of salt, to be honest, because they do things for money. They do things for yeah. just to look good most of the time. Yeah, and that's what they've even said in the reverse when people get suspended. That was the Ben Roethlisberger suspension after the court case was dropped that you did conduct detrimental to the shield. They right. that that's what they the detrimental to the shield, which is just a vague term, but they they stand behind the shield often. But now that Rod Goodell has admitted that he and the NFL were wrong, where do you believe this goes from here or where would you like to see this go from here? Because it does appear that as much as there were outspoken African-American athletes years ago, obviously Colin Kaepernick, LeBron, his whole NBA contingent with Carmelo and Chris Paul. Now it, it's even more. I mean, there are players who don't already have the mega deal that are feeling comfortable to speak that everyone really is saying something, even if just on Twitter. And that is not even just including black players. That's including white players too to make that clear. So it almost seems like Roger Goodell is going to be pushed in some direction because the, the world's not going to drop this. They dropped it a few other times, but they're not going to drop this. Where do you think the NFL is going to go? And where would you like to see things go? Because aside from forcing Colin Kaepernick to get a job and be back in the NFL, what really can be done? Well, I think that, uh, you know, the direction for the players, I mean, they're going to keep protesting. They're going to take knees. I mean, it's going to be high, the highest frequency ever. Um, oh, well, knees. You, do, do you expect that, that it's almost going to be unanimous? Every black player is going to be taking a knee whenever the NFL I, starts? Or? I, I would assume so. And knowing the NFL and knowing Roger Goodell and knowing how, you know, the, the owners operate, I can see them going away from the national anthem. I can see them just taking it away. Uh, they've done it before. I believe right. like in 2008, I think that's whenever they incorporated it into the game. Yeah, it wasn't um, always I there. I think they could just yeah, – it wasn't always there, or it was, but I think – For the Super Bowls, it wasn't for every week, I don't right. believe. Yeah. 
Right. So I can see them going away from the national anthem and just just getting rid of it at all. And, and, you know, and before the game, you might see guys, you know, looking like they're praying or something and peaceful protests doing whatever they have to do, but it doesn't have to be attached with the flag, which right. if you have a half of a brain, you would know that at this point, it's not about the flag, right. but let's not get things confused here. You know, let's not have guys uh, sending mixed messages and, you know, people thinking it's about the flag and people not. So I think they just get away from with the whole national anthem as a whole. Yeah, and it also would, would take away the argument. Because even though it's not about the flag, if it isn't there, then that side can't bring anything up. It, 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 it would take away some of the, the flame and the fire a little bit, which, although I'm sure there's going to be many that would criticize that move, because they're going to say you're, 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 you're backpedaling off of what clearly you just want to get rid of it rather than have to address the actual issue there. Um, does this – is there any chance of Colin Kaepernick – almost having this help him get back in the league in some way because of Eric Reed continuously speaking out and he has had contracts, but he was right there with Colin Kaepernick taking a knee right when Colin took a knee, not to say Colin would want it this way, but could somehow this movement, this movement for equality somehow maybe force someone's hand to try to even bring him back in as a PR move. I don't know. It would look as like a charity case, honestly, at this point to me. I don't I mean, think it would know, look good. I don't no, even know. It wouldn't look good. I, you know, and can he really play? I mean, he's been out of the league for so long. I mean, he's, yeah. playing, you know, he's playing a high-level elite position, too. It's not like you're bringing back a receiver who still can run a 4-5, 4 Like, yeah. you're playing quarterback. I mean, you, you have to be in tune with the game to, to, to be a consistent quarterback. And he's been away for so long. I just – I don't even know if he could even – help a team you know is is he is he a quality backup right now I don't know I mean <laughs> yeah I saw him throwing shorts uh what a couple months ago maybe last year I can't even remember right. uh, okay you're throwing in shorts you're not taking hits you're not you know facing blitzes you're not reading coverages you're not doing all the things you have to do to be a quarterback so I don't even know if my man can play still you know on, as cerebrally maybe uh you know physically he can play I don't know but you know I, I just that's one thing that I would look at first if I was a GM or if I was a head coach I'm like we need to bring him in here for a you know a whole day, and, and put him through every single workout and every single situation uh, we could think of that a quarterback will experience in a game, and we'll see if he can play, and then we'll move to the next steps of if we want to sign him. I think he needs to prove he could be you know a legit backup at this point. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because I think that's a point that's been lost because every single time a backup quarterback enters a game, and we saw that a lot with the Steelers season this past year, especially if a backup quarterback doesn't play well, again, with the Steelers season towards the end, or any starter gets hurt, it's, well, Colin Kaepernick could do better than that. Oh, Colin Kaepernick should be out there. Oh, why didn't you sign Colin Kaepernick? But in reality, that might have been more of a, of a reasonable thing to say the first year or so, but at this point, we're three, almost four. We're going to be five years at that point, almost away from it. Then I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. If Brady sits out for five years, I don't think I'm signing them afterwards. Like at some point you got some rust at some point you're not dealing with, you know, if you're not actually out there playing NFL football, that's not the same as playing with your friends in the backyard or playing in a, a beer league. It's not the same. So at this point, I feel like he no longer really would be helping you on the field, or at least that'd be a risk. And again, I actually, and I said this on Twitter and got some flack for this, but I almost feel like it'd be a little demeaning to him at this point to sign him because, again, you don't know about his level of play, and then it would totally come off like you were only signing him because of the murder of George Floyd, which that doesn't look good. And I don't even know if Colin Kaepernick would take a job at this point because, it, it again, that would feel 
that way. Uh, speaking with Doran Dickerson here, a colleague of mine here in Pittsburgh Media. He's a part-time host at 93.7 The Fan, former Pitt All-American, of course, former NFL player, which, Doran, before I get you out of here, I got to ask this. During your years in the NFL, even during your years in college and, and playing football and growing up here in Western Pennsylvania and playing high school ball here in the WPIL, what were your experiences in terms of race relations? Because you obviously were having success as a good athlete or you would not have been able to play pro. You were an All-American at Pitt. You had success. But did you feel you were treated any differently because of the color of your skin? Did you feel like maybe that didn't apply to you because you were so good? Were other players who maybe had the same skin tone as you but weren't as good as you were treated worse? What were your experiences like dealing with race, dealing with race relations either inside a locker room or outside? And I do ask this in connection with another comment that we heard recently from Fangio, and he got some flack saying he did not believe there was racism at all in the National Football League, and then we later heard from people that he really was talking about an NFL locker room, which you kind of brought up that a locker room kind of does take care of and police itself, that they're not going to put up with racism in a locker room. And it probably doesn't exist because it's really about if you're good or not. If Drew Brees sucked, he probably would have just been bounced off the team, but he's a hall of famer. So they're going to try to deal with him, even if they think he's racist and that's how the locker room moves. But what were your experiences and is, is Fangio correct there in terms of the locker room that it's a different animal than the rest of the NFL? Yeah. I mean, you know, growing up, um, I, you know, I grew up in a predominantly white area, went to West Allegheny high school. Uh, I was treated really well. Um, but yeah, whenever I started playing football and having some success, I do believe that I was a little bit privileged uh, and treated different. I, I, I do believe that. I believe that to this day, even throughout college. Um, getting to the NFL, um, you know, I never experienced any racism in the locker room. Like you said, we policed ourselves. And, and, and I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, the locker room is about 80% of African-American players, uh, you know. So, I mean, if, if you're going to be a racist. <laughs> it's going to be rough. I mean, it's going to be rough, you know. I mean, so <laughs> I don't think that that goes on that much, especially on the player side. I don't know about the coach. You never side, wondered about, different. did you ever wonder about even a coach or I'm mean, not, you don't have to name names, obviously, but did you ever think in the back of your mind, he might've made that decision because he believes this, or I'm concerned that maybe he's a racist. Did that ever pop uh, in your mind? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's popped in my mind before, but you know what? I still had to play and I still had to go out there and make plays and I had to do what I had to do to stay around because in the NFL, they don't, they don't give out favors. You know, you're there to help a team win. I mean, they're not, nothing's a charity case in the NFL. Um, but going back, so my uncle was one of the first African-American head coaches in college football. And I had a conversation with him about three years ago, you know, just asking about his you know, journey. And he started at Kansas State, and, you know, he coached at Pitt, coached at Penn State, coached at Clemson, coached all over the place. And he was like, you know, my early days and, you know, you're thinking about what the 70s. Like in my early days, I was one of the only you know African American assistants in, you know, in college football. So there was places where I couldn't go. When I was coaching at Kansas State, there were bars. You know, if coaches went out to the bars, I couldn't go. You know, if coaches, you know, we went on trips to recruit people, I couldn't go to certain houses because I was black. And you know, so he, my uncle, who was a staple in college football and staple for African Americans and breaking through, and especially coaches like. Mike Tomlin. I mean, you ask anybody about him, he yeah. was the first one to break through. Um, he experienced a lot of, you know, direct racism that, um, 
you know, he had to endure and, you know, he had to, you know, be quiet and he had to just play his role and do what he had to do. And he really opened doors for a lot of other African-American coaches um, that has come through the ranks and is still trying to be head coaches in the NFL and in college. So, you know, he is somebody that I look to like, you know, myself, you know, I, I didn't experience that much. I don't think maybe I was too naive because I was a football player, but um, you know, he is somebody that really had to fight for, his position and fight for his name and fight for his skin color. So, uh, you know, I, I owe a lot of credit to my uncle, Ron Dickerson, who, uh, you know, was a person in a staple in college football. So uh, it's terrible that he had to go through it, but, you know, he really opened a lot of doors for people. Yeah. And that's interesting that he absolutely did. And in that era, you're going to feel a lot of that because that's, that's around the time. I mean, his career was a little bit after this, but that's around the time where you see Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, and they had that summit of, the best African-American athletes at that time realizing the problem and trying to fix things then. And unfortunately we're here where we are today over 40 years later, mm. uh, but they, they, the attempt was really being made at that point and they weren't far from Jackie Robinson and having to break the color barrier. So that was still fresh in the mind. And I actually watched the movie help. I don't know if you ever saw the movie help. It was, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's about, women mostly but it's about women who were basically maids for white families and they were getting paid but it was almost paid slavery in a way where they weren't treated as equal but they were receiving money and it was happening down south it was an old miss area basically and off of that the the boosters of that college so i mean that's a good movie to watch i definitely would recommend it but it, it really shows you that area area that even when we're supposed to be equal it was separate but equal but even that phrase is wrong because it's not it was separate but it wasn't equal anyway so even anyone who was a proponent of separate but equal it literally wasn't equal it was two separate things that weren't equal in the first place so that that yeah, yeah that area kind of what, what it's like now so yeah i mean it it, it, it kind of is um it kind of is, is still that way do you have any hope for change i mean is this as horrible as the events of the george floyd murder are and anything that else has happened brianna taylor being another example do you have more hope today than you ironically maybe had 30 days ago because shows like this are talking about it. Other shows are talking about this more that would not be doing so it's out there all the time. And the one, the only criticism that really, or not a criticism, the only thing I maybe could have moved this forward, maybe even help Ka Kaepernick is back when that was going on, somebody of a LeBron James level, instead of just tweeting or even donating or doing things, could you imagine if LeBron James took a knee? when Colin Kaepernick was doing it, would that have had a greater impact? Those things might actually happen now. Does this provide more hope to you because of what happened as awful as that was to get us here maybe? Yeah, I, I have to have hope. I have to be, you know, optimistic about the future. I have three young uh, sons, you know, they're African-American yeah. sons. So uh, I don't have a choice. If it was just me, you know, I don't know. I'd just be like, hey, listen, I'm 32 years old and I'm just going to keep living my life. But I have to – um, try to, to, you know, talk to my kids and make sure that they, if their peers aren't leaders and they have to be the leaders and if they can do things the right way and know what's right and wrong, and that could be contagious to other people, then they are becoming the leaders that I hope for them to be. Uh, and I hope for change. So it's really in my mind, I don't know if it's going to change now, but whenever my kids become, you know, 20 years old, 25, 30 years old. I, I hope that this next generation coming up will have a, a you know, 
a, a, a sharper head on their shoulders, you know, a, a, a clear vision of what's right and what's wrong. Cause that's really what we're talking about here. You know, yeah, we could go into race, we could go into color, we can go into white, we can go to black. Let's just keep it simple. It's the things that me and you learned whenever we were in kindergarten, what's right. right and what's wrong. It's really not that hard. It really isn't. So I hope that this next generation can grasp that and uh, become the leaders that we expect, uh, you know, now, but hopefully they can be the leaders that we need in this country. Yeah, and I, I hope so too. But the sad thing in a way, hearing you say that, it almost was a connection a little bit to Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech where he 40 plus 50 years ago was saying that he had a dream that forget him, but he had a dream that his son would have a different world and have equality, but that didn't happen. We're here in 2020 and you at 32 are basically looking for the same dream for your kids. I mean, that's a long trek from where Martin Luther King was. And that, that's, I'd imagine he'd be quite disappointed with the situation that has, has unraveled since that speech and he was taken out for his words. But yeah, we, we do hope that that's the case. And I will say one thing as somebody who's white here that I, myself in my generation and certainly our kids' generation and generations from now, from now on, they're not going to have any excuse. Not, any, but not that anybody would ever have an excuse to be racist, but my grandfather's generation it's not acceptable if he's racist and he's not, but at least he can say, you can say, well, that was how it was then. He probably did have that instilled from his parents who were not far from there not even being equality and not far his father. I don't know exactly offhand, but I mean, at that, my grandfather's 97. So you're looking at his father being in the 1800s. So at that point, they, they weren't far from the Civil War and things like that. So, okay, that trickled down to him. If that happened, that's unfortunate, but that's one thing. But there's no excuse for that trickling down any further. With everything that we're hearing, with everything going on, or the, every second news cycle, social media, and everything that's happening now in this groundswell since George Floyd's murder, which should have happened off of Michael Brown and several others, but it at least has happened now, that it's not, there's no excuse anymore. There's no, no one can say, well, that's just his generation. He's old. Just ignore him. That's not going to work for myself or, or, or our kids. That, that's not going to be able to be heard any further. And, Doran, again, I appreciate you doing this. Just lastly, to get you out of here, any, any thoughts on – what are your thoughts on – because Sidney Crosby spoke out recently. I know that you actually tweeted about this. You really wanted it. He did say something. You were happy with what he said. But Sidney Crosby, players like him – Michael Jordan, we watched The Last Dance. This is kind of how he rolled in his career, where he actually made the comment that Republicans buy, buy Nikes too. And I'm trying to make mm -hmm. my money off those Nikes. So I'm not going to alienate half of the, maybe even majority of the fan base out there. And there have been many athletes over the years, prominent athletes, Hall of Fame, legendary athletes that have just chosen not to speak. Even African-Americans not speaking about things that are persecuting their own race. Now, do you expect that more and will you be disappointed if the Tom Brady's of the world the Sidney Crosby's of the world stay quiet is there more of a responsibility of players at that level to speak or will you still be okay with somebody who doesn't go the breeze route but says I can't I just no comment I can't say anything there kind of tries to dance around it because Republicans again do buy Nike do you want something said though more is there more responsibility now um, I, you know, the response, so I didn't, I didn't expect Cindy Crosby to say anything, you know, I, I get where his stance and where any, you know, uh, white person 
of predominant stature stance would be. Like, right. I don't even want to get in the middle of it. You know, I get that. I totally get that. But it's like, wow, if you really did, it's like, you know, Mike, if you really did speak out, you know, you, you know, you, you're not even black. You're not even African American. If you said something and people look at you in this yeah. light and they love you, if you did say just one little thing, do you, we would be getting somewhere. You know, we'd be right. taking a step in the right direction. It's like, you know, you don't have to, but like, man, if you did, like, we are, we are moving forward, and that's what I was so happy whenever Sidney Crosby did say something. I'd expect him to. That's fine. He's a hockey player. He's from Canada. All the, you know, blah blah yeah, blah. Even, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, one of my, you know, I love him to death. I love him as an athlete. But I didn't expect him to say anything. But I was like, man, if he did say something, then we are getting somewhere. So, um, I think that now that you have seen somebody like Sidney Crosby speak up, you have seen some of these, you know, these white athletes, entertainers, celebrities speak up. Um, I think that that might become the new norm. Um, and, or, or hopefully we won't have to go through this again. You know, let's hope that. <laughs> well, right. You know, let, let, right. You know, like, let's hope we don't have to go through this again. And if it did happen again, I think that a lot more uh, white, predominant, uh, you know, athletes, celebrities will uh, take the responsibility of speaking up and knowing what's right and wrong. Yeah, and it's always been, too, that – because there are a lot of people out there, especially in our last couple political elections, that they – they almost want their favorite celebrity and favorite athletes to agree with them politically, which is dangerous because, as we know, if you hear what your favorite athlete or celebrity feels, you may be regretting hearing it. That's a risk with Drew Brees, for example. I'm sure there are a lot of Saints fans thinking, I want Drew Brees to speak out because he's going to agree with me and defend me. And then you hear him and say, oh, ooh. Breeze. It's been better if you didn't say anything at all. So right. it, is, it does come with a risk, but I, I do feel like, and what we talked about at the beginning of the show, that any athletes who potentially are racist or do believe what actually Drew Brees said initially before his apology, they'll just keep quiet because that would be a horrible PMR, PR move to even say that right now, obviously, with some sense of awareness. And the majority, we hope, and the ones that are not racist and don't have that in their heart would then speak up and speak up. I think it was big for Crosby, too, because he spoke up without having to issue an apology or put his foot in his mouth. Right. Drew Brees speaking up is not as good right now. Right. Sidney Crosby spoke up just out of nowhere, and no one really expected it. And, and he, he didn't have to. He, did, he didn't have to. There were some, though. So what do you, what do you say, though, to those who basically say, because you always have been, you take more of a logical opinion even when you have your opinions, but there are some, and we see this on Twitter, that do legitimately get mad if a Sidney Crosby-like player, especially a white, top athlete does not speak out so what would you say to fellow african-americans who actually would be pissed if a tom brady is not because he has yet to does not speak out well i you know it's really that simple like you know if this is not i'm not going to say it's not his issue but i mean it's not his place to have to speak on this he is a hockey player he's demonstrated that year in year out since 2005 whenever he got drafted all he talks about whenever he's doing interviews is hockey yeah. and you know he's a guy you know this is not his place and if he you don't want to put somebody in an uncomfortable situation you know and talking about issues that you're not really educated on yeah maybe that's City the worst like, that's true you know, maybe that, City, yeah right right like maybe saying was like listen I'm going to just be honest. I'm not that educated on everything that's going on. I'm not educated on the history of black people. I'm not educated. And that's okay. That's, that's okay. Yeah. That's all right. And maybe he right. was like, this isn't the time for me to go up to say something. If I say something wrong, then I'm going to look even worse. So he took the time. Uh, people were calling for his name to, to speak. He took the time. 
probably, you know, you know, who knows what he did, but he's very smart, obviously intelligent, and he said the right thing. And now, look, I mean, he's just being Sidney Crosby and being awesome. Yeah, and I think that's big too because – and I, I will say – the, the other end is as much as it's you don't want to speak if you're not educated on something because ignorance is the worst thing out there. So you, you're better off there. There are some situations where you are better off saying no comment, even though we don't like to hear someone say no comment when we're interviewing them. I would prefer a no comment than a racist comment. So that is that is true. And if you're not sure if what you're about to say might be taken as racist, you're better off not saying it. That is absolutely true. Don't press send like Herm Edwards. That is definitely a true statement these days. But I think everyone can agree that when you, you have the evidence in front of you and you watch a video that doesn't matter what color of skin are, doesn't matter what you did, even if you committed some crime and were stopped by the police, there's really no way to possibly somehow argue that somebody need to have their knee, someone's knee put on their neck for eight plus minutes. There's just, there's no possible way. Charles Manson, I would actually say would also not have had that happen. Like you, even if you're a convicted felon and a murderer, right. the police are not supposed to extinguish you and kill you themselves because obviously you're not a threat to them while they're restraining you with their knee. So we're, we hope that things do progress off of the horrible events that have occurred. We also got to hope that justice is paid that say wasn't paid to those in the early nineties. And even off of more recent events that led to different riots and, and different in- issues that we heard, they justice was not paid. We know about 1992 and those cops getting off, even though there was a video and videos did not come out then. So the only way this would get worse is if somehow justice is not paid then I could see the powder cave being blown off yet again. So we have to hope the justice paid and we can all move on from here. Dorn, I definitely appreciate the time for sure. I'm happy to, happy to talk to you. We'll definitely have to go get some wings or get on the golf course or top golfs right now in our backyard. I like being near top golf. I'm a big fan of that here. Uh, any, I got to give you the floor though. Any, any, any final words or any final thoughts, whether it be to me, fans, anybody just about what's going on or just anything in general. Uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, I, I just, it, what's right and what's wrong. Um, I mean, I have a lot of hope for the future. I've, I have a lot of hope for humanity and society. Um, it, it, you know, it's just sad that this is where we're at. And it's sad that, you know, some of us, uh, like myself, have to raise uh, kids in this, you know, this society of America. There's too much division. There's too much discrimination. Um, you know, if, you know, if you, if I get a cut on my arm or you get a cut on your arm, you bleed red. I, I bleed red. So right. we're all human beings and let's start treating each other with respect and, um, you know, let's move forward and be the, the country uh, that everybody always dreamed about being the greatest. So, uh, and, and I do believe we can get there someday together. Uh, United States of America. United. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe so too. I hope so too. And uh, I heard somebody say this recently that, do you think the the cashier at the the son of the cashier at Walmart would receive more privilege if that person's white than Mike Tomlin's son? Well, if they're both in a dark alley and you can't you don't know exactly who their father is, you don't have any connection to them, and you just see them, they probably there there probably would have been a privilege for that white cashier's son when normally that wouldn't be the case. So we'll we'll see, but hopefully we can move on. Hopefully we can progress, and hopefully there is some positive light in, in the midst of of all of this but uh again i definitely i definitely appreciate it and uh yeah we'll have to get together sometime here we're we doing you know we can uh 
talk about uh, some Pit WU. You can <laughs> I remember the first time we ever did a show was the anniversary of 2007, and you spent an hour on the trip where you were making fun of me about that, and then we progressed <laughs> since then. So <laughs> that might have been my initiation for you to be, be cool with me, that I, I put up with that. <laughs> I brought you on, and I just I, I took it on and I let you give it to me, and now we're 39. here. 39. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you. No problem. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. That was Doran Dickerson, friend and colleague of mine. And uh, yeah, he's been very, very logical in a lot of his takes out there, but especially about this. So I definitely appreciate it. And I do think that's, all, that's some words of wisdom and a lot for uh, you guys to sink in. So and he even, I even let him, I, I opened up the floor there and gave him a softball down at the end there. For I know we got a lot of Pittsburgh subscribers here on Pittsburgh Sports Live since Pittsburgh Sports Now is the mothership. So I had to do it for you guys to get the 13-9 out there for the former Pitt All-American being on this broadcast. But again, that was a special edition here of Mike Drop on Pittsburgh Sports Live. And of course, Steelers now, former Pitt All-American, former NFL player and friend and colleague, part-time host at 93.7 The Fan, Doran Dickerson was on with me. And really, we had a real conversation. He touched on some poignant things that I knew I was going to get from him. And I'm glad we were able to do this. It's been a while. We've been trying to plan this. Life kind of got in the way. So I, I think it was still a very relevant topic and discussion with everything that's gone on because Drew Brees and his wife and others keep either apologizing or putting their foot in their mouth to unfortunately keep making this show relevant although hopefully it won't be because we will eventually progress and there is hope that i'm glad doran has for at least his kids generation but again it shouldn't be to this point because martin luther king was saying that 40 plus years ago and again i i even will admit that i was somebody way back when colin kaepernick was taking knee. i didn't really like it because i thought it was directing the flag i did want it to happen a different way i did know that my family and grandfather's had connection with the war and my one grandfather having a purple heart, but I've since learned and adapted and realized that that was not the issue and that that's not a connection to it. And that is a peaceful form of protest, which is what even the other side would want. And everybody kind of agrees that that's something that has been true to the country forever. That's not a violent form of protest. That's not doing any destruction. That's not hurting anybody. That is a peaceful form of protest that seemingly both sides of, of the aisle agree that that's better than the reverse. So to, to pick on a peaceful form of protest when protest is a part of the American way, especially for what it was, and it was not about the flag at all, despite it being wrapped up into that as kind of a diversion. It's a little bit of a uh, unfortunate thing for Drew Brees to say. It's unfortunate for anybody who still believes that, but hopefully, as Doran says, there is a chance that these horrible events, the murder of George Floyd and others, will get us to a, a, a further direction and improve us as a people because again as Doran said he's black I'm white we both get a cut we both bleed red so we are one race and we are the same in that respect want to make sure you guys hit up the family of networks again that is Doran's team is Doran's alum alumni he's a former Pitt All-American as you know the Pitt coverage is over there as well as high school coverage and all the other Pittsburgh college athletics over there Pittsburgh Sports Now PittsburghSportsNow.com also and I'll give it to myself, the rival of doing the WVSportsNow.com, which is a newer member of the family there, WVSportsNow.com. Of course, here, SteelersNow.com. There's PittsburghHockeyNow.com, PittsburghSoccerNow.com. And make sure to hit us up here on, on YouTube and down below. Click on the subscribe button on the video. Help us get the content to you. Help us keep paying the bills here at Pittsburgh Sports Live. Find us on Facebook at Pittsburgh Sports Live, on Twitter at PGH Sports Live on Twitter at PGH Steelers now on Twitter. Cause of course 
This show will also be found SteelersNow.com and PGHSportsLive.com. So again, appreciate the time. I appreciate the time from Doran. And again, hopefully as horrible as this has been recently and as eye-opening it has been, hopefully this can all spark change. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.